What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Another day, another deal for the Portland Trailblazers. That's what we'll talk about first. The Jake Lehman trade. Lehman, the re- most recent 2018-19 Blazer to be jettisoned as the Blazers rebuild their roster, certainly the back half of their roster after a trip to the Western Conference Finals. We'll look a little bit ahead to what's next with the Blazers with 13 players in the roster. What will they do in the rest of July now that they seem to have uh, finalized most of their roster? And then finally, the Blazers introduced two new players today, Anthony Tolliver and Mario Hazonia. I will let you hear from them, pull a couple interesting sound bites from the newest Blazers so you can get a sense for what those dudes are like and what they told the media today when they met with them at the Blazers practice facility out in Tualatin. If this is your first Lockdown Blazers, welcome. Every Lockdown Blazers is someone's first Lockdown Blazers. We do things in three segments. That's why I hit, them, hit you with what those segments are going to be at the top. So we'll start with number one. Jake Lehman. Gone but not forgotten. Lehman has agreed. Well, Lehman is signing basically a three-year, $11.5 million deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's part of a sign-and-trade deal with the Blazers. In return, the Blazers get a European rights player who will never play in the NBA. As a fun aside, before we get into more into Lehman, one of my favorite things that players uh, that fans do is when uh, the Blazers trade for these European rights dudes that will never, ever, 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 ever play even a second in the league or be considered. They start looking up their European league stats and like, well, in the Turkish league, he did shoot 40% from three. He might be pretty useful in the end. Uh, that's not how this works. This is just uh, the Blazers create a very small trade exception in the deal and they did uh, layman a solid. In fact, agent Mark Bartlestein, who has a history of dealing with Neil Olshay in uh, a whole bunch of different settings, he said the deal couldn't have happened without the Blazers looking out for Jake's best interests. So, um, in in a way, they're just doing one of their clients a solid, or doing one of their players a solid, and kind of doing a Bartlestein client a solid. It doesn't hurt the Blazers. Um, they could have let Jake walk for nothing. Instead, they just look like the good guys here. So, Jake Lehman. He he had kind of an interesting year, if you ask me. Uh, on the year, he had a quote-unquote breakout season. Uh, he'd come in averaging like one and a half points a game over his first two seasons and 70 games. But in his third year in the NBA... He started 33 games, including the first 19 for the Blazers while Mo Harkless was out. Played 71 games, about 19 minutes a night. Uh, those numbers kind of fluctuated based on the Blazers' roster creation. And he, and he finished the year with averages of 7.6 points, 3.1 rebounds. Uh, he shot just over 50% from the floor, basically 51% from the floor, 33% from three, 32.6 if you want to get granular. But for a brief period... He was really, really good. Like, he was a really useful role player. Really, really good on the scale of, like, what he was being asked to do. But he was really valuable in in, in that role. Uh, So after he started the first 19 games of the season, he kind of just fell out of the rotation as Mo Harkless got healthy and the Blazers were trying to figure out what to do with Evan Turner and Seth Curry. And and Lehman just kind of got lost in the shuffle. It's not uncommon in a Terry Stotts team for a guy to go from... 
starter to buried on the end of the bench and then buried on the end of the bench to starter. It's just kind of he likes to keep some of his rotation set in stone and sometimes that move from deep bench to starter and starter depth back to deep bench kind of kind of lets him stay with the rotation that he's comfortable with. But then right after Christmas, basically the first week of January, Jake Lehman started to play a little bit more regularly. And for the next Six weeks, five weeks from about January fourth to the to the All Star breaks, nineteen games. Jake Lehman averaged twelve point six points, four rebounds, a little over an assist. He made fifty seven percent of his shots from the floor. He shot thirty nine percent from three on three and a half attempts a game. He was like a really good role player off the bench. And I think the shooting is what stands out to people because he had this tendency. Um, Jake's not afraid to put it up. He will let, let that thing go. Um, so he'd have these nights where he would just, every time he got it, he would shoot it. And he'd have these nights where, where they would go in. You know, he had he has a couple just huge splash performances. In fact, I, I believe the first three times that he scored more than 15 points, they all happened in eight-minute stretches. Just like bam, bam, bam. And he would get hot and he would keep shooting because he's not afraid. And everyone sees the three-point shooting because it's obvious and also because he's, he's white and so people look for him to shoot threes. That's just the truth. But what really made Lehman stand out during that stretch is that he finished around the rim so well. He became one of the the best finishers in the league. For a brief period, he was in the top five in in, uh, effective field goal percentage around the rim. For that, you know, it's a five-week period. It's a very small time. But 20 games is, is enough of a sample to make people say, okay, this guy might have a little bit of juice. And Lehman did have a little bit of juice. He was good. Like he was, he had value in this time. He had a really good rapport with uh, Evan Turner, catching lobs. Uh, he was just he was a good cutter. He was a good offensive rebounder. Uh, you know, a lot of what kept him off the floor for a long time was that he just got overwhelmed a little bit on defense. But his offense was good enough that it didn't matter. His defensive limitations just stopped mattering. But then the All Star break came, and the Blazers had added Rodney Hood, and they. They'd kind of committed to getting Seth Curry more minutes. And the addition of Hood particularly kind of um, trimmed Layman's minutes back. There just wasn't a lot of time for him. And and in addition, while he was, he was... He didn't completely fall out of the rotation, but he was the guy who was getting squeezed along with Evan Turner. And actually, at the beginning of the Rodney Hood acquisition, it was Turner getting squeezed more than Layman. But then Layman only shot 22% from three after the All-Star break. And those cuts to the rim are just a lot harder when you can't make any open threes. People just don't close out on you the same way when you're not a 40% three-point shooter. He eventually just disappeared from the rotation. You know, he, he played here and there throughout the, the end of the season, uh, particularly as CJ McCollum got hurt and they needed minutes for guys. But he never rekindled that magic from the first week of January until Valentine's Day. And yet, here he is getting a deal from the Minnesota Timberwolves where they need some shooting. They uh, they could use, I mean, they're athletic on the wing. I was going to say they could use an, an injection of athleticism. I guess every team could use a six foot nine guy who has hops like Lehman. Doesn't hurt. But he's a 3-4, probably more of a three, even though he played a lot of power forward for the Blazers at the end of last year. But I think it's useful. I think, I, And I think if he really wanted to be there, it probably means that the T-Wolves see him as a part that can play. Particularly after T-Wolves lost, lost uh, Anthony Tolliver. Coming over to the Blazers. Uh, not a swap, but, you know, they swap positions. So I think that's the, the layman I'll remember is, like, 
not quite for me is like not quite figuring out if he's good or not. Like he had that period when he was clearly good, but then he never rekindled it. Um, we just never saw flashes of that in his first two years in the league. He didn't really get a ton of opportunity, but he just, he wasn't a shooter. Um, he's never been a high level free throw shooter. He's always shot like 75%, but there was a brief period when he was a layup machine and a dunk machine. Not just in that five-week stretch when he looked like a really useful rotation NBA player, but through the whole season, he shot 65% from two. Like, dude could make laps. He could get to the rim on straight-line drives. He's not super creative off the bounce, but he has some some stuff. So I hope he gets a chance to play a little bit more in Minnesota. I hope they give him a a longer leash. Um, Like I said, I'm not convinced that he's like a real high-level NBA player, even high I'm not convinced he's a high-level NBA player. I'm not even convinced he's a regular NBA sub, but I do think at 24, 25, he deserves a chance to have a real role on a team, and I hope Minnesota is the place that gives him a real role. As a minor fun note, before we transition to segment two, we'll talk about kind of what the Blazers do now that Jake Lehman is gone. But as a minor fun note, Jake Lehman joins the Minnesota Timberwolves team that includes Noah Vonley and David Vanderpool, a little... Blazers mini reunion on the High Plains, Minneapolis. All right, next segment, we're going to talk about what the Blazers do. They got 13 players on the roster. What do they do for the remainder of July? But before we get there, I want to remind you guys that for all the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts all throughout NBA free agency. So follow along there at Locked on NBA Net on Twitter. All right, so Lehman's gone. That leaves the Blazers with 13 players in the roster. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, Hassan Whiteside. Seriously, Hassan Whiteside is on the roster. Anthony Simons, Kent Bazemore, Mario Hazonia, Anthony Tolliver, Yusuf Nurkic, Gary Trent Jr., Nasir Little, and Scalabissier. So, I don't think it's a lock that the Blazers go into next season with 15 players on the roster. In fact, I think for tax purposes and for uh, some sort of flexibility purposes with with the uncertainty of, of, of Nurkish's health and things like that, there's a chance they don't sign a 15th guy and that they go into the, into the season with 14 dudes. So... With Lehman on the when when I assumed I did this basically this segment when I we still assumed uh, Jake Lehman was on the roster after the Blazers signed Anthony Tolliver. If you're a new listener, you can go back and listen to that episode. But this one's more recent. So when when Lehman was on the roster, it seemed pretty clear that the Blazers' spot that they needed to upgrade was they need they need a third point guard. They don't really have a, a, a second true point guard on the roster. You know, Anthony Simons probably on the depth chart as that backup point guard, and he's told media members that he wants to be the backup point guard. I think that, that's how the Blazers see him. But he's not a true point guard. Dude gets buckets. Um, getting buckets, an important skill, but not necessarily like the same type of calming presence that a, a veteran point guard would bring. So when I was when I assumed that Lehman was still on the roster, you know, it seemed pretty clear point guard is the place you go. That's still maybe the place the Blazers go with that uh, with that thirteenth spot. But if not, I think it's pretty clear now that the Blazers maybe could sign another big. 
You know, Collins is kind of penciled in at power forward and white side at center. But behind that is just Tolliver and Scalabissier. I think Anthony Tolliver can play NBA minutes when you need him. I'm not sure Scalabissier is there. I just, I just don't know. Um, I know that the people who like Scal really love him. They think he's got great shooting touch and a ton of skill and that someone should just let him loose. But we, I just haven't seen enough to like to have a good sense. And I would assume he's more... I mean, he could play a little bit of four, but I assume he's more of a five. So if the, the other option, if it's not point guard, it seems pretty clear they could use another four type, or at least another big man to provide some insurance. Because maybe Zach Collins also plays a little backup five. And you kind of mix match with a, with a three-man big rotation with Tolliver. But I think you, they could use another... some more size up front because if they don't have that size up front then you're asking Rodney Hood to play up in the four I think that I think he's a little small I think you're asking Hazonia to play up a little bit of the four uh in the third segment Hazonia talks a little bit about his his, uh where he thinks he can fit position wise is pretty interesting so look forward to that but I do think they kind of need a four Jake Lehman played a little bit of four. Like I said, he's more of a skinny, skinnier four. He's, a, he's more of a three, just body white, body size-wise, just strength-wise, basically. Gets pushed around by the even the Markeith Morrises of the world kind of bullied him in the playoffs. And by Markeith Morrises of the world, I mean specifically Markeith Morris of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think those are your two options. Now, I am not someone who scours the remaining free agent list and says, here are four options that could work. You can do that on your own. You can figure out who minimum type ones and fours or, you know, ball handlers, probably a straight up natural one and a four or five could be. You can do that if you want. But I, just some insight into how I think it'll go based on the way the, the Blazers have done everything else is that they're going to sign... I would guess, not like a take a flyer on a young guy type of player, but a vet. They've basically brought in vets on this team. You know, bringing in uh, Bazemore at 30 and Hood at 27. And, um, you know, Hazonia's not old, but he's, he's been on a handful of teams. Hassan Whiteside at handful but two, the Magic and the Knicks. But Whiteside's 27. Like, they're bringing in adults. They are trying to win... They are trying to open up a championship window by having guys who have played and have NBA experience and are ready to sort of, you know, break the glass and play. So when you're looking at possibilities, when you are scouring the list and sending me those updates on Twitter, thank you for those, by the way. Some some love love those amateur GMs telling me who the Blazers should sign. I'll throw a like on that, tweet at me. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll make fun of you. You never know. Worth a shot. At Mike G. Rich on Twitter. But when you're looking for those guys, I think it's I think it's true vets. I think it's it's guys with real real seasoning um, in the league, just based on what they've done and based on what they have. They have minimum contracts to offer. They don't have, they literally don't have anything else. So it's veterans who might slip through the cracks who would take a minimum. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be a point guard and a big of some type. Like I said, I'm not sure it's two guys. It could be one guy. And it'll be interesting to see if they only carry 14 into the season, what that one guy looks like. So that's what's left for the Blazers of July. It kind of seems like the layman trade, he was kind of the last question mark as a restricted free agent and still on the books. And he was the last question mark on what the Blazers would do. Would they hold out and wait and wait, you know, till, you know, kind of like they did with Mo Harkless till the end of July and make a deal. 
They decided not to. They decided to go ahead and move. Give him somewhere where he could play. They've got guys in front of him. You don't sign Hood and, and bring in Hazonia and draft Nazir Little and trade for Kent Bazemore in order to carve out room for Jake Lehman. He wasn't part of the plan. It's not clear what the next plan is, but Jake Lehman wasn't part of it, and the move today allowed them to kind of get closer to roster finalization as we head into, oh yeah, almost July 4th. They've done this pretty quickly, guys. They've moved quickly to make up this team. They made some, uh, some f- I don't want to say fireworks, but they made some splash moves. I don't want to say fireworks because Neil Olshay famously said there won't be fireworks, and then he's like totally reshaped the roster since then. So it's been a running joke sort of with the Blazer media. No fireworks. Bing, bang, boom. I guess there's no bings in fireworks, but bang, bang, bang. What there has been is a massive roster overhaul, and we're probably one or two moves away from knowing what the 2019-2020 Blazers will finally look like. When we get back in the third segment, I want to talk about the two new faces. Let you hear from Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tolliver. Both good quotes, honestly. Both really good quotes. I think they'll be fun to have in the locker room for media types and fan types alike. I think you will like these guys. Let you hear from both of them what they said today at their introductory press conferences. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys that make it a part of daily your daily routine that whenever you get in your car, if you're driving to work, from work, or just around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Blazers, and I'll be right there with you for the drive. So make it a part of your daily routine. Tell your smart device in your car, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. All right, welcome back. Still Mike Richmond, still locked on Blazers. So Portland had its second day of uh, Summer League practice today. I promised you guys I would talk about Summer League, but the Blazers keep making moves, and we got to talk about the players that are the real players actually on the roster. There's a whole you know, 10-day stretch of fake basketball games in July starting this weekend that we can talk about when they happen. But for now, I'm not going to preview the team. Y'all know who's on the team, Nazir Little and Amphrey Simons. And listen... They keep talking about winning a Summer League championship. That is super meaningless to me. Go find a Summer League preview somewhere else. <laughs> sorry, I Summer League's fine. If you're into Summer League, I, I'm sorry that I poo-pooed it. I, I sincerely apologize. But I do want you to hear from the two newest Blazers. We'll start with Anthony Tolliver, uh, an 11-year vet who's played on a 13 different teams in his career, including getting a cup of coffee with the Blazers. He spent 12 days in Portland in in the winter of 2009. Played four total minutes. But he's been all over the league. And uh, in this segment I'm about to play for you, he talks about kind of what it's like for a guy like him, how a guy like him has been able to survive in the league this long. Take a listen. Uh, I've been in survival mode since day one. Uh, Literally. uh, Never... Never been handed anything, so I've had to earn uh, every single uh, second that I've had in this league. Uh, so I think that's the reason why I've stuck around. It's because uh, uh, there's no there's no let up. It's just continuous work and continuous um, fight um, just to uh, stay relevant. Really, <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know being a role player in the NBA is I I call it the hardest job in the world uh, because it's. You never know uh, when your number's going to be called, uh, but you have to work like you're going to play 30 minutes a game, and that's a really tough balance to have. And 
I've just been able to find that niche and uh, really take advantage of it. So you hear there from Anthony Tolliver about just sort of like what it takes to be the consummate role player. Um, he's certainly always been that. You know, his best season came two years ago with the Detroit Pistons when he shot like 43% from three on a bunch of attempts a game, almost six. I'm not sure he gets six threes a night with the Blazers. He's not going to play as much. But he's someone who kind of understands his role. Um, you know, he's, he's been credited as, as, as a good locker room guy. It's hard to stay around in the league into your middle 30s if you're not good, in, if you're not a positive influence in the locker room, or at least uh, you got be, you better be a neutral influence in the locker room. People aren't going to put up with a 30, you know, someone in their mid-30s if you're a jerk. But I think the, I think the idea that he understands what it means to be a role player is really valuable on this team because while he's the only, like, maybe, he might be the only true power forward on the roster, unless you really think Zach's a power forward. But, but even then, as the only true power forward on the roster, there's no minutes guarantee for him. There's no guarantee that he's in the rotation day one. I think he kind of will be, just based on looking at who else is on this team with him, that he kind of has to play. But there's no guarantee he is, and he's a guy who sort of understands what it's like to wait his turn. He has plenty of experience doing it, and uh, he has, you know, translatable NBA skills. I mean, he's he's played in the league for more than a decade, and he's a career thirty-seven percent three-point shooter. He can—that's a skill that travels. And so, whether he's a regular part of the rotation or just plays spot minutes here and there, he seems like someone who has the right mentality and the right experience to be valuable in a in a minor role. Okay, so that's the first guy the Blazers introduced. They also introduced Mario Hazonia. Uh, in the clip you're about to hear, um, he talks a little bit about uh, his evolution as an NBA player, how much he's, he's physically grown in the NBA, and also kind of where he sees himself fitting in. Uh, the first question that I, I think I cut off the question was asked by Jason Quick, but the second voice you hear is, is Blazers reporter Casey Holdall asking about positionality and where he's going to fit. So take a listen to Mario Hazonia talking a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird even for me. I was drafted at, what was it, 6'6", 195. Now I'm 6'9", 240. You know, so it's, it's just, it, it's weird. And then at the end of the last year, uh, Coach Fisdale, which I'm very uh, thankful to work uh, with him, uh, last year he just said, you would be my point guard right now. It, it was towards the end of the season, but still he gave me the opportunity that I can now cover for uh position which is going to definitely help us here right now but you grew up playing point guard right? yeah, yeah. yeah and so do you like it absolutely yeah. i'll talk to damien about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel like you might fit in with the team in, in terms of skill set and positionally um well definitely with the uh, that um after damien after cj that uh kind of et role that he had uh, the second ball handling guy uh, and obviously i will be playing the three and four uh, a lot so definitely you know we have a Potentially like an amazing uh, small ball unit, you know, uh, stretch the floor, shoot. So we'll see. It's hard to speak about it right now. So there you go. Hazonia is a guy who's, you know, grown three inches and put on a ton of weight since he came to the league. Uh, he he, he kind of played four out of necessity um, with both teams. He's been on both the Magic and the, uh, and the Knicks just because their rosters were a little bit wonky. 
But I do think he's big enough to play a bench role forward spot. And it was kind of like, you know, he mentioned I'll have that E.T. role. And kind of where E.T.'s sweet spot was last year was to play kind of natural point guard on offense and then guard forwards, like power forwards on defense. I think that's a role that uh, maybe the Blazers have already talked to Hazonia about or maybe it's just something he's envisioned after watching the Blazers play a little bit where he could fit in. I think it'll be interesting. He mentions that uh, maybe they have the chance to have a killer small ball lineup. That's why I mentioned that they might sign another big man. A lot of their lineups seem like they might have the word small in front of it. But those are the two new guys. Uh, what you didn't hear from that Hazonia, the, the Sony's Hazonia audio I didn't include, uh, was him talking about wearing number 44. He's the first Blazer to wear that one since uh, Drazen Petrovic, I believe. If he's not the first one to wear it, he's wearing it in honor of Drazen Petrovic. Brian Grant might have wore 44 now that I think about it. Yeah, Brian Grant definitely did. <laughs> and you know who else did? And I, th- this is not off the top of my head. I did look it up. Luis Montero. Channing Fry, Ruben Boomshay Boomshay, Harvey Grant. And then for the brief time, he was on the team, Drazen Petrovic. Um, Zonia's Croatian, and he talked a little bit about in that uh, interview about how important it is to kind of... Uh, represent himself for Croatia and now that he's a blazer represent for Drazen Petrovic you know the the greatest Croatian ever and maybe the best European basketball player of all time uh, I kind of tend towards Dirk because I'm a longevity guy uh, but Drazen certainly in his brief NBA career was fantastic with the Nets so two new faces two pretty good interviews another player gone from the team Lehman joins Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, Ennis Cantor, Seth Curry, on the guys who won't be back. Blazers retooled their bench. They retooled their starting lineup, hell. Retooled a little bit of everything. So now, the rest of July, we wait. I would say it could be a little while, but every time I say it could be a little while, they make a move literally the next day. So maybe I'll talk to you guys tomorrow night, the evening of July 4th, after the Blazers finalize their roster. Maybe it'll happen over the weekend after Kawhi Leonard decides where he needs to go. In any case, I really appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. Summer League starts this weekend. I haven't done a preview of it, but I certainly will talk about it once it's happening. And all the games are on TV. We'll be able to watch them from our couch without going to 115-degree Vegas summer. Appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you soon.